0: We are going to be uh, looking at a tale of two soils, and kind of like along the way, a tale of two souls. Interesting little little word word thing there. So, so Jesus told stories and he told parables, and so this is the parable of the soils, four soils, and then a sower, which is just a planter, right? And so we'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and read the first few verses there. They should be up on the screen. Verse, uh, this is Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 13. There's parallels in in Mark and also in Luke, and we'll touch on those a little bit. Um, But anyway, so Matthew chapter 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes gathered together with him. So we're going to try something a little bit different today. If, If you could go ahead and repeat after me. Great multitudes. Great multitudes. Okay. Were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables. Everybody say in, parables. In, parables. in parables. In parables, saying, "Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they had, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away." And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I put together a little chart. So this is what the chart looks like of everything that we know now, right? We know that he's given a parable. He's given us some different categories of different soil types. And we know that there's some, you know, outcomes... Immediate outcomes and some later outcomes. And so, so I just kind of put it in there. We'll, we'll look at this a little bit more in a minute. But, um, and then the next verse, verse 10 says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So why, do you, why, do you, why does Jesus speak to them in parables? So there's a popular myth that's around that says, um, Parables are a way to expound truth that you otherwise wouldn't be able to understand. And um, so we're going to see what Jesus says about it. Well, he says, the purpose of parables isn't to expound truth. The purpose of a parable is to hide the truth. To hide the truth in plain sight, right? Why? So those who have ears to hear can understand the hidden truths. But those who don't have ears to hear won't understand the hidden truths. So Jesus used parables with, with the crowds. That's why we, you know, said with the, with the multitudes. But when in private, he explained the parables to his disciples. Why? Well, it has to do with the definition of a disciple. So we're going to get to that. Back in New Testament times, it was only the elite, the best, the best of the best students that got a chance to be a disciple of a rabbi. The rabbi would come around, and if he was super impressed at who you are, he'd call you, or you might be able to approach him, and uh, then you could be you could be a rabbi. It's kind of like you know if you could get through the rabbi training and make it through all his wickets then it was kind of like a lifetime ticket to the good life it's kind of like if you're in chicago and you got you got elected to be an alderman you know it's just like you've got all the money that you need just take all the money from the constituents put it in the big bathtub and go like this right money money okay it's a bit less corruption back then um but anyway so so when a rabbi called a young man to be a disciple the disciple's main goal wasn't to learn what the rabbi had to say the main goal was to follow the rabbi, to live with the rabbi, to learn from the rabbi, to be changed, to be like the rabbi, right? To spend so much. I've had the same mannerisms and same phraseologies, uh, you know, the same interactions, habits, patterns, even the same voice, you know, speech and thoughts and things like that. So others would see the rabbi in them. So biblically disciple, methete, right? That's the Greek word. Learner is what I mean. Someone who follows the teachings of another not only a pupil, but an adherent. So they are spoken of as imitators of the teacher. So that's what a disciple is. So a disciple of Jesus isn't somebody who just believes in Jesus. There's somebody who follows him. There's somebody who has a desperate passion to be like the rabbi, to be like Jesus. Right? And so only a disciple was, was, was given Jesus' message. Right? Um, so how do we know if we're a disciple, right? If we're like a real disciple or if we're a fraud, are we getting God's message? Or well, because God knows our hearts, that's how. So if we have a heart to walk in his ways, and that's like our main intent, right? That's what we, we want to know what he has for us. And so we can go ahead and walk in that in obedience, then he will open up the scriptures like, like you'd hardly believe. And so he's the one who can tell. So during football games, you know how during football games, whenever they call a play, they go like this and then they go like that and they call the play, right? Why? Everybody knows that, right? And so nobody can, the other team can't lip read and go ahead and steal their signals, right? They can't intercept play calling. And a more extreme example is in wartime, right? Paths of communication are, are, you know, secret, they're hidden, right, Uh, to military posts, but they're also encrypted to prohibit the enemy from getting the crucial information, Right? So the same things happen in in this day and age. There is a war going on. It's the grandest scale, right, being waged as we speak. God's kingdom of heaven against Satan's forces of darkness. And it really is a war. We seem to think so often that we're just playing patty cake, but we're not. This really is a war here that we're in. And Jesus encrypts his teachings into the parables, right? They can't be unencrypted by anybody, by no amount of studying, by know man of seminaries. You can't unencrypt Jesus' messages. The only thing on the planet that can unencrypt his messages is a heart that's, that's desiring to follow his will. That's the only thing that will un-encrypt, unencrypt them. And so, um, but if we do not, oh, so then this is, this is anything. If we, and then if we obey the small portion that he gives us, he'll give us a little bit today, right? If we obey that small portion, then he'll give us a little bit more. And if we obey that, then he'll give us a little bit more. And if we keep doing that, then guess what? Pretty soon we're gonna have an abundance. And that's what he says here in just a second. But the multitudes are but the multitudes came to Jesus, right? So shouldn't Jesus be like, you know, expounding truth to them also? Not really. No. Why why would Jesus want to hide truth from them? Because not everybody has good intentions. Right? Jesus said, Don't throw your pearls before the swine. He was following his good advice, right? Um, but anyway, so it's not that Jesus has closed their eyes. It's not that He's trying to hide something from from them that's, that that they really you know need or deserve. It's that they've closed their own eyes, right? They don't want to hear the message, and so here's Jesus holding out salvation to them, and they plug their ears. That's what. So that's what's going on here. Um, so it's crucially important to our lives, our spiritual lives, that we put Jesus on the throne, right, and make Him Lord. So. The, that's why here at Arise Church we don't just believe in Jesus we follow him right And because we we understand this truth that if we don't follow him diligently with with all of our heart that the bible will be a closed book to us so uh, so much so we built it into the vision right so uh, one of the you know three points is we joyfully follow Jesus commands being transformed into his amazing likeness right because if we don't have this in place then our Christianity is going to be nothing more than feel good stories with no power So then verse 11. He answered and said to them, because, oh, and all back in verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So you're going to see the stuff that we just talked about. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have Abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who have closed their eyes? They have lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And then the next couple of verses are righteous people and prophets who, you know, from ages past have wanted, they've known the Messiah is coming and they've said, oh God, please let, let me, let my eyes see the Messiah, let my ears hear his voice. Let me, please, oh God. And because of, you know, because of, of where they lived, you know, the area that they lived and the time era in which they lived, it just wasn't possible. And so then Jesus mentions them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. <clears throat> and so the same thing is true today. Right? Jesus has everything in secret. And if we follow him with like all of our heart, then he'll open things up to, to us. Right? Okay, so and then in Mark, and this is just interesting, in Mark also, it it, it it teases this out a little bit more, and it says, and with many such parables, Jesus spoke to, to them, the multitudes, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. That's in Mark 4. So we were recently at Disney World, and which is just a really great time. And it's really interesting. That's like a whole, a whole new world almost. You know, people have the Mickey Mouse ears, and... Um, a lot of husbands and wives are wearing the you know, matching Mickey Mini shirts and stuff like that. It's really pretty cute, but it was it can be like if the if, if the Mickey Mouse ears let's just say they had a radio transponder in them or something, you know, a microphone so people could get the inside scoop to what's going on at the park. Like, oh, quick, quick, hustle over to the Kingdom, blah blah blah, right, so you can get in line first or you know avoid that path because there's too many people there. Go around the other way and you'll beat them. That kind of thing. That's what, that's what it would be like um, to be. That's what it's like to, to be a real disciple that hears. You know, the, the hidden truths from God's word versus not. So, lesson number one if, you, if you're not yet a disciple, be one, right? This, this, this might be pretty new to you, right? And until you get, and so Jesus is, is inviting you to come into his inner circle, right? That's who he explains everything to. He explains everything to his disciples. So, he's inviting you into the inner circle. But what's it going to take? It's going to take putting Jesus on the throne of your life. But the good news is. He's inviting you to do that. So how do you do that? Well, somebody's got to get it. If Jesus is going to get put in the number one spot, then whoever's in the number one spot is going to have to take a demotion. I guess who that is? It's probably you. <laughs> so you're going to have to self-demote, and so Jesus could take that spot. But if you do that, I'll tell you, you're going to have great joy, and you're going to find the Bible starting to come alive alive to you, because He's going to share those secrets with you, right? So it sounds kind of backwards. Demote yourself. I'm not saying demoralize. I'm just saying pick yourself off the throne and put Jesus there, right? And um, okay, and then in verse 18, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Okay, we say by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, um, go ahead and say stony places. This is he who received or who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in, in himself, but endures only for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises because of the world, in, the word immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among thorns, say among thorns. Is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground, good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So I put together a little chart. My chart has all of them on there, but I'm just going to show you like one line at a time. Why? Because I'm an engineer. I like charts. Okay. If I don't understand something, that's that's what I do. I make a chart and I put everything in the boxes, and as long as it all fits, then I'm happy and I can start figuring it out. Okay. So it all fits in the boxes. Okay. So uh, the seeds by the wayside. These are the ones. These people don't even have a chance to hear what Jesus is saying. They as soon as as soon as the word. If this is, and I'll tell you, this isn't even you. If this was you, you wouldn't even be in here. Because if you were in here, then somebody dragged you in, and you were out like a light twenty seconds into the sermon. So this isn't even you. But there's some people out there that as soon as as soon as the word hits their ears, they just re, it's just rejected completely. For those people, they just need prayer. Nothing else is going to break through to them. They need a lot of prayer. If you know somebody like that, pray. So that's that's lesson number one: be a disciple. Lesson number two is the wayside. Pray for those. For those people. Lesson number three, stony ground. So they hear the word. Okay, that's great, right? They pass the first wicket. There's hope. And they immediately receive it with joy. Hey, that's great, right? We're, we're like on a roll here. <clears throat> but their flash flashes in the pan. Whether it's a flash in the pan that's 30 hours or 30 years, it doesn't really matter. Long flash, a short flash, it's still a flash in the pan. Following it, there's just, there's just no, no good outcome for somebody who falls away. There just isn't there's 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 no good promise in the bible for somebody who does that. So, we need to not fall away, right? And so when do they fall when do these people fall away from tribulation or persecution when those things happen? So, there's a lot of teaching out in out in Christianity that says, "Hey, you're a Christian, you'll never have to go through anything, any tribulation." Right? And then that's compounded by more teaching that says, "And even if you fall away, no big deal. It's not a problem." Um but christians are going to go through tribulation we just are and it's required that we don't fall away from the faith we have to stay with the lord right only those that endure to the end will be saved is what the scripture says so the rocky soil is a believer who desperately wants to be liked by people around them right They're afraid of the future, afraid of some consequences. Never mind that the people around them are sinful and sinful and adulterous generation. They just want to be liked, right? So when the crowd turns left, as long as Jesus goes left, they're okay with that. But but sooner or later, the crowd's going to turn left and Jesus is going to turn right. And then they're going to have to make a decision. And in the heat of the moment, it is so easy to just fall into whoever's nearest at hand so the crowd wins out. So the rocky soil people are those that choose reputation relationships over Jesus, right? Because they say, Jesus will understand. He'll be there after the party. I'll come back when the party's over. Then they forget to come back. Mm -hmm. You may be a rocky soil believer. If so, how would you know? You'd know because God's telling in your spirit, as we've been talking. And if that's you, then he's putting the fear of the Lord in you to say, no, I need to take action. So what can you do? What, what kind of action can you do? So I'll tell you what I did 20, 20 years ago. I was 20, well, almost 20. I was 20, 24 years old in the Coast Guard. And so I, I recommend something similar to you uh, if this is you. So accept the fact that you're going to go through tribulation and persecution. It's just going to happen, right? You can't go around it. can't go over it. you got to go through it. <clears throat> and accept the fact that uh, you're going to be tempted to choose the crowds over Jesus. And so... Um, and it's going to cost you your reputation. If you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you your reputation. So what I did, what I'm recommending, is you put an end to the reputation before others have the chance to. Beat them to the punchline, right? Put an end to it when you're timing on your terms. Because um, if you don't, then you may not have enough fear of the Lord to actually follow through with it if it's on their terms and in their timing. So what I did, I wore a what would Jesus do wristband, right? Something that just reminded me that I'm, I'm all about Jesus, and told other people, I'm all about Jesus now, too. And so it was a reminder for both of us, right? Because without that, it's just so easy to buckle. You know, the crowd turns left, and it's easy to follow the crowd. So <clears throat> anyway, so Jesus said, if you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before the angels in heaven. So the consequences of messing this up are pretty catastrophic. So you got to get this one right. So be proactive about it. it is my recommendation. Then lesson number four, among the thorns. These are, these are ones who hear the word. Okay, that's great. There's hope, right? But the word is choked out by the other things that enter in, right? So this person becomes unfruitful. And it doesn't matter if they produce fruit for five days or 50 years. Falling away is still falling away, right? And so what are the causes? Really what it comes down to, and I know we don't like this word, but it really comes down to is idolatry. Idolatry, the heart about different things. What are those things? Cares this. oh, I, I packaged a couple extra things in here from like, you know, the Mark version and the Luke version. So, so it's all, so, so so it captures all of it, right? <clears throat> so the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, the desires for other things. So when, one or more of these things, if you're a thorny, so one or more of these things is on the throne of your heart. And it's taken Jesus' place. And if it doesn't come off the throne, then Jesus will eventually, you know, leave, and that's, and that's falling away. So how could these apply to you? So, or how do you know if any of these apply to you? Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of advanced warning here, okay? So when you hear something preached about, and, or, you know, taught about whatever, and it just, like, rubs you the wrong way, it's like nails on a chalkboard or hydrogen peroxide on a dirty wound, right? And then you start thinking, I got 20 reasons why Dan's wrong here, and, and then you hate me for two days afterwards and, and, and you start thinking, who does he think he is? Right. OK, that, that's called conviction. OK. And that's how you know when something applies to you. So when God's placing his finger on something in your life that he wants you to fix. Right. But recognize conviction. So then that way, after your anger towards me subsides, OK, then you can take action and do something about it. Right. And so the neat thing about like public preaching is that you can be in your own junk and nobody has any idea uh, what it is. As long as you don't, like, stand up and start, then everybody will know, but as long as you can keep yourself bottled up a little bit, then you can, then you can go home and deal with your issues, you know, between you and God. So, um, <clears throat> with God's help. By the way, do you know what hydrogen peroxide does um, to clean wounds? If the wound's clean, then there's no pain. There's no sting. That's how you know when you're over your issue. When that thing is preached on and it no longer... Cuts you to the heart. It no no longer feels like you know nails on a chalkboard to you. That's that's when you've you know processed it enough to be to be through it. So just a little. So I I did a little calculating, and because I went to some churches where we did church like three times a week and stuff for quite a while, I've sat through over a thousand sermons in my adult life. Over a thousand sermons, right? There's probably some other people that have been around for a thousand sermons or more too. Um, so I've had plenty of issues to deal with. <laughs> I know exactly what it feels like to sit there and listen to a preaching that just is, you know, nails on chalkboard in, in, in my spirit because God's putting his finger on something that he wants me to fix. But then I also know what it's like to go and go back and fix that thing by his power and then come and hear the same or similar message again and to have it not be nails on chalkboard. So. Just a little advanced warning here. So, so what, what are some of these idolatry things? Cares of this world, right? So keyword cares and keyword of this world, right? So this is um, excessive worry or concern about situations. It can be the low side of money. <clears throat> An example, um, excessive worry about politics. You know what? CNN and Fox are really interesting and they will consume 100% of your bandwidth of attention if you let them. They just never shut up. They just keep, this keeps going, right? <clears throat> I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm just saying keep it between the lines. Okay, The world's fault. We're always going to have problems, and you're not going to fix it by watching the news or by losing sleep over it. So do all we can do reasonably, um, but Jesus didn't give us a task to fix the world. He gave us a task to be salt and light in the world and to prepare ourselves and others for the world to come, eternal life. He'll fix the problems when he makes everything new. We'll do what we can along the way. Um, but excessive worry is an idol it can be an idol in people's hearts and it will choke out God's word. Um, I I think there's, I know there's people out there who will go like this in front of the news for 24 hours if sleep didn't interrupt them and there's no way they'd go to church or do anything else because it's available. So excessive worry. Um, you've heard people say, "Oh, they're more hev- too heavenly minded to be earthly good." Okay, there's there are people like that, and there's about one out of a million, and the other nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine have the opposite problem of being too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. So, watch out for that one. Okay, then number two, uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Um, <clears throat> so the word word of God can be choked out by the low side of money cares of this world, right? Or by the high side of money, the deceitfulness of riches, right? So the low side not having as much as you need and the high side not having as much as you want. When Carnegie was one of the two richest men in America, somebody asked him, how much money you know, do you need until, you, until, until you've got enough? Anybody know he answered? Does anybody know what he answered? Just a little bit more, that's right. Just a little more. That's the deceitfulness of riches. There's always more out there. And you'll never have as much as, as would make you feel comfortable. You'll always, because you'll always come back with, oh, I just want a little bit more. So Jesus told the parable about a man who finally did get as much as he wanted. And it didn't end pretty. It started, his the the rebuke of the man started out with you fool. And then after that, it just didn't get any happier. Not happy. So in Luke, it says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, right? So the deceitfulness of riches can take a first place in, in our hearts sometimes instead of Jesus. And we need to Promote Jesus. Number three, pleasures of life. Nobody likes pain, but everybody likes pleasure, right? Pleasure is addicting. God gives pleasurable things, right? There's good food, things like that. But those things can become an idol. So for some people, it's food. For some people, it's entertainment, TV, sports, right, news. For some people, unmentionable things. So, so the general rule of thumb, um, if you wouldn't be proud to publicize it, then you shouldn't be doing it. So Madeline, I'll tell you, if we left it up to Madeline, she would just eat desserts all day long. All day long. But you know what? So as parents, we have to regulate that. We have to say, no, 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 you have to eat dinner. And we have to hide the desserts. But as an adult, there's very little to stop you from overdoing it with pleasures, right? And so so we had to – so when we were down in Florida and um, on, on, on the cruise, um, it was – it was nice to get pampered a little bit, right? To have somebody else make the beds and stuff. And after a couple of days, I was like, you know what? This is kind of nice. I think I can get used to this. <laughs> so little warning bells went off in my head. Uh-oh, you know, alarm. I need to, I need to be careful because this is like, you know, this would be dangerous to try to, you know, continue this. So it was nice for a time, but. <clears throat> uh, so this can be over uh, well-intentioned things, a job or material goods or that. We're not well-intentioned things that lead to sin, right? That's dangerous. And so, and, and, and we convince ourselves, we say, oh, if, we only had, if I only had that thing, then I'd be happy, content, fulfilled. And then the thing is, when we get that thing, then we turn to the next and put something else on the throne of our heart and say the same thing about that. Oh, if we only get that thing, then I'll be happy, ha- then I'll be happy content, and fulfilled. And it just keeps getting, you know, cycled to the next thing and the next thing. And we're never really happy or content or fulfilled because the wrong thing is on the throne of our heart. How do I know? Because I've been there, right? Because we're humans and everybody's subject to the same traps and I've been there. In either case, it's idolatry because it's placing something in the place of Jesus on the throne of our hearts. That's among the, so that's among the thorns, right? Those, those four things. So God's word is choked out by these things. And you know what happens in an ultimate fighting match when somebody gets choked out? <laughs> it's just not happy for them, okay? So, <clears throat> and, and, and it gets a lot less pretty for, with eternal consequences if we're spiritually choked out. The stakes are really high. So, piece of advice, if you can take piece of advice, don't get choked out. Getting no. choked out's bad. So what can you do to avoid it? Okay, four things. A, accept the fact you have an Achilles heel on one, one or more of these things, right? Cares of this world, deceitfulness of money, pleasures of life, desires for other things. Yeah, you know, in alcoholics anonymous, they teach to say, I am an alcoholic. This, to just admit that you have an Achilles heel. You're prone to going in, in one of these directions. <clears throat> B, ask God to forgive you for making something more important to him. C, depose the idol and put Jesus back on the throne of your heart. And then D, go and do it no more. Nothing. it's not complicated, but it's difficult because it's, sometimes it feels like a little piece of us is, is getting torn down when that thing's coming off the throne. But you know what? We're not going to be truly fulfilled until it's off the throne and Jesus is on the, on the throne. And, and you can't even do that without Christ's help anyway. And God's willing to help you. So if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. <clears throat> Lesson number five, the good ground. Okay, so here's where it gets meaty and juicy. They, this one hears the word. Okay, great. We're off to a good start and understands it. Oh, that's the first time we've heard that one here. The first one to understand the word. So, if the rocky soil is the hair that springs up fast, but it's short lived to flash in the pan, then the good ground is the tortoise. Slow and methodical. Continues and continues with patience until it bears fruit. It, it knows that slow and steady wins the race and that the prize is only at the end of the race, right? And, the, and and that's at the goal of bearing fruit. And so they don't give up until fruit happens. And so to do that, you have to hold on to the word. You have to be resolved to not let the word go no matter what. The rocky soil expects persecutions and tribulations. It's gonna happen, so it's prepared. That way when it happens, hey, I knew this was gonna happen anyway. They've already sacrificed their reputation, so the relationships, the chips with those have already landed, right? And it cultivates its field to eliminate thorns. So, because thorns naturally spring up everywhere. You know, any little spot that we have of dirt, uh, give give it about a week and we've got weeds there, right? Thorns just spring up everywhere, right? So if you see a field without thorns, it's because somebody's been cultivating that field. So this person allows themselves, they cultivate their field of their heart by allowing themselves to be convicted For the purpose of eliminating thorns fixing personal issues that's how you can cultivate the field of your heart right so summary tale of four souls soils and four souls along with it only the good soil is heaven bound it's and it's so it's critical that you and i become good soil but you can become good soil right it's not like we're left here to wonder how do we do this He's given us so many tips along the way. We've talked about a lot of those, but the shortened version is this. Expect persecution and tribulation. It's going to happen. Put your reputation to death on your own terms while you still have the fear of the Lord to do so because when the time comes and you don't have the fear of the Lord, then you won't be so prone to do so. Cultivate your field to eliminate the thorns. Accept conviction. That's what it means to go. Accept conviction and use it to overcome your issues as God reveals them, using his power. Let no thorn stop you. Plan for the long haul. Hold on to God's word firmly. Be patient and never give up. You're going to produce the fruit as long as you stick it out. And then and then, one last thing, last slide, come to Jesus. So John 3.16, everybody knows that, right? So my question for you is, who do you know that would willingly die in order to preserve your life who is it that would see the Mack truck coming and would step in front and push you out of the way you may not be able to think of any people that would do that but I want to introduce you to Jesus because he did do that the Mack truck of eternity was coming at you and coming at me and he willingly stepped out in front and pushed us to safety so we could have a safe eternity eternity Who is he? He's the rescuer of souls. And he's offering to be your friend and my friend. Some people say that Jesus is a crutch. He's a lot more than that. He's a pole vault. Because he'll pick you up out of the rottenest, dirtiest, scummiest place on, on the planet, and he will vault you to a place of prominence and position in his kingdom. And he'll honor you here. So if you don't know Jesus, then you need to get to know him. And if that's the case, come and talk to myself. Come and talk to Eddie or Randy or just about anybody in here. So that's all. We're going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have hidden secret truths in it, mysteries that nobody can figure out unless they have a right heart with you. We ask that you would make our hearts right with you. Help us, if we're struggling with that, help us to do it. We pray that we can just be in connection with you. We can hear your voice. We could walk closely with you, just like you know, the definition of disciple, one that wants to be just like the rabbi. Help us to walk in your way. We ask that you would um, change us however it takes so we could each become good soil. And we'll give you all the glory and praise for it. And we thank you for your goodness that you shower on us every day. Help us to be thankful today. Bless us as we go in Jesus' name.